Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. All right, Friday the 13th. <laughs> so you know what kind of show it's going to be tonight. <laughs> It could get a little wild. Rick uh, Rick Delgado sitting in for Paul Nolan, who's off tonight. Uh, took the night off. Rick's going to be double duting here, uh, do the news, and do a what even is that? What's coming up in the what even is that? Uh, well, you uh, kind of gave us a hint last yeah, night. Yeah, gave you a little hint. It's about our, our president and his, uh, his uh, association with being a fighter. Okay, very good. And uh, congratulations to Rick Emirati for making it to the show tonight. Just flew in from doing his last magic show with the Bellagio in Vegas with that outfit. So good, wow. good. glad you made it, Rick. Thank uh, you, Big hat D. Tip, hat tip to Fran on that one. What's uh, what's going on? Good old Fran. Uh, well, we're going to have an update on the Pro Bowl. <laughs> Pro Bowl Riders uh, event last night. We'll give you the round one updates there. And okay. the Masters round two today. And uh, the NFL uh, lost another legend as well earlier oh, today. Here we go. We're getting back to uh, <laughs> I know. the good old days. We're getting back to the good old days of yeah. uh, the sports slash, uh, you know, death <laughs> Obituaries. <doll>. Obituary <laughs> section of Live from Studio 6B. Well, I watched a lot of the Masters as I was prepping for the show today. So, you know, last night we left the show because um, I want to start what's going on in Georgia. Okay. Um, I left the show reading you that fabulous piece in the uh, in the American Mind um, by Molly McCann, and uh, it just so happens that Molly McCann was on with our own Raheem Kassam today. I, lo- I looked and I was like, God, that girl looks familiar, <laughs> and it was Molly McCann who I read that article from the American Mind last night, who was just fantastic, and. Um, so I'm, I'm watching it today, and I'm seeing what's going on in Georgia. And um, I want to replay this, this um, interview for you because the president just tweeted out about eight minutes ago, Georgia Secretary of State, a so-called Republican, he said rhino, won't let the people checking the ballots see the signatures for fraud. Why? Without this, the whole process is very unfair and close to meaningless. Everyone knows that we won the state. Where is Brian Kemp? Uh, That's about eight minutes ago from the president. So here is, let's just get right to it. Here is Molly McCann on what's going on with this recount in Georgia. Gee, roll that. Well, I'm very disturbed to learn today that the Georgia recount on which so many of us are relying is not going to be the intensive recount we thought it would be. I actually learned some of this from your own show, War Room, this morning, Raheem, and I encourage everyone to listen to that show if you have the time from 10 till noon Eastern time. But what we learned today on your show and what I learned from other sources and doing some digging is that the recount in Georgia simply is not the audit we thought it would be. They're, keep, they're only permitting one observer for 10 teams. So essentially the GOP can only watch 10% of the action. They're keeping them far removed uh, from the tables where the counting is going on. They're not matching addresses with ballots. We are not going to uncover the fraud in Georgia 
the way we were told we would be able to. And, and that's that's alarming because it means that the recount will just retabulate the illegal votes and will be and will lose the state, which is that Georgia is critical. It really is critical to the White House. They're using the word recount in, in a literal sense, whereas the word recount actually is supposed to be a technical thing that you do in order to remove uh, votes that shouldn't have been counted. As you say, all they're doing is recounting the illegal votes. Maybe we should have been more specific. I would have thought that these people uh, would have known better. And I know, I know people down in Georgia and, and officials down in Georgia had made it very clear what they wanted. Instead of one person looking at 10 people, 10, 10 tables or whatever it is being recounted, uh, and being kept, I think, behind this big yellow uh, line of tape nearly 20 foot away in some instances. Uh, what happened? Do you have any idea what happened here? Um, because it just seemed we're being totally hoodwinked as far as I'm concerned. Well, the GOP in, in Georgia it appears to be having a real meltdown. And I have been hearing now for, well, since the election, frankly, that Governor Kemp, we all thought Governor Kemp was quite solid, but Governor Kemp and his Lieutenant Governor um, Duncan they are not stepping up in Georgia and leading as they should. I have heard from Rudy Giuliani, and I don't know if this is true, but apparently Rudy Giuliani says that uh, one of Kemp's former chiefs of staff is now a lobbyist for Dominion. And that's, that's very concerning to me. Those two should be on the front line heading the charge to make sure we have a full audit. But the concern is that that they might not want to uncover a massive, massive um, fraud or, or a complete disaster in the, in the tabulation because it will reflect very poorly upon them. Hit me with that again, Molly. Who, who's a lobbyist for Dominion now? Uh, well, according to Rudy Giuliani, and I have not independently verified this, but according to Giuliani, one of Governor Kemp's former chiefs of staff is now a lobbyist for Dominion. And wow. of course, Dominion was used in Georgia and D Dominion has become a disaster zone. And I do have an update for you on Dominion, Raheem. I am hearing that none of these recounts and none of the audits are going to uncover the fraud in Dominion. The Dominion systems must be impounded, disconnected from the internet, not turned off, but disconnected from the internet, and a forensic examination must be done of the electronics of those machines to determine if they were, if they were creating a fraud. Okay. Um... Let me let me let me clarify something on that. When when you say uh, impounded and, and effectively air gapped, uh, you mean so, to have somebody actually go through the machine as it was used during the election to figure out precisely how how it was worked. Do we do that? Do we want to be doing that in all? I think it's twenty states that Dominion Dominion's deployed in some way. I mean, I certainly, I was ideally, yes, we would do that in all 20 states. I mean, I, I'm someone who thinks that we need to, um, this is a triage situation. Let's focus all of our energy on the states where Dominion was used and that are swing states. If we were to show any fraud anywhere in any part of the system of Dominion, it would blow it wide open. So I don't think we have to think about, oh, we need to be attacking in 20 states. We just need to demand uh, this access and this transparency in one place or two places, and if we find that the system um, it has has code, and I'm not an expert, Raheem, on on electronics, uh, and but I've been told by different people who do know that you should be able to find the code in a computer system like this that might potentially be um, skewing the election results. And I, I'm telling you, if you found that in one place, it would blow the whole Dominion scandal wide open. 
Uh, well, I think that's absolutely right. And, you know, we, we had a story up yesterday, um, Molly, about... Uh, Dominion voting systems retaining the Obama-era vote protection uh, director as a lobbyist. So we'll get uh, we'll get Natalie Winters looking into uh, the the Governor Kemp uh, story and see if we can verify that independently as well. Look, I, I agree with you. I mean, I would go further, but it doesn't seem like we can get even one at the moment. So you know, <laughs> I guess we've got to take what we can get in this regard. But but I would I would go all 20 states. I would also look at who signed off on these things, what the tender process was, investigate every single one of these people. Frankly, I'd be looking into their bank accounts to see if they were taking any money to be doing this sort of thing. I mean, it's, you know, this is kind of like a big pharma situation. Uh, but here you've got, you know, I don't know if you call it big vote, uh, big election um, situation. Somebody somewhere has been signing off on this. I mean, look. The, the Texas uh, uh, Secretary of State went through this and said, actually, this is a trash voting system. We do not want to introduce this into our, into our state. So in all of these other places, there has to be a paper trail of people who have signed off on this. Molly, I know we've got to, we've got to let you go here, but why don't you uh, just let us know. What's your website? How can people follow oh, you? That's good, G. My so so that's, that's what's going on in Georgia. So what, <laughs> what I mean... How do you make sense of that? Uh, you don't, because wasn't it President Trump who actually helped get uh, Governor Kemp elected when he was in trouble versus Stacey Abrams? Well, well Stacey Abrams still thinks... I think well, Stacey yeah. Abrams is going to run again against Stacey Abrams, <laughs> and either way, then she's going to win. Is she calling herself the incumbent? And I said this a couple weeks ago. I don't know if this is like uh, Brian Kemp still uh, holding um, a grudge against when the president got on him about... Uh, reopening the state a little early when the president came in the briefing room said, I'm not happy with Brian Kemp. And of course, then Brian Kemp ended up being right. And when he opened it, and just like in Texas and Florida, they opened them. Right. And, he, and then, of course, the president came around full full circle and said he did a great job. So I, I don't, I, I'm not exactly sure what's going on in Georgia. But it, like like Molly says, and like the president just tweeted, if you're going to, if you got one person that has to oversee every 10 people and they're not allowed to actually see the sick. I mean, what are we doing? Yeah. It's like a charade. You're just counting the same garbage that went in the first time and you're going to get the same number. That's exactly right. You're going to get the same exact result. I mean, within, I mean, a few, a few. Right. So that's, that's problematic. So it's like at this point, here's where we're at. There's like two sides of this. There's the problematic side that you just want to, you just keep throwing your hands up and you're going, Hey, yeah, yeah. And then there's the Sydney Powell side. <laughs> just, she was on Lou Dobbs again tonight, and I've got a couple clips from it. And I just tell you, if I'm hitching my, if I'm hitching my hope wagon to somebody, it's to her. Because I mean, I I don't. I mean, I tell you, I would not want to be the other side of a case that she's prosecuting. Well, you know, you know what was interesting too about the release, the firing of uh, Mark Esper, um, because. Uh, I heard it opine that, oh, well, and this was from John Brennan. It's like, oh, well, Esper must have said he wouldn't follow orders. It's like, well, well, what kind of orders were they talking about that he wouldn't follow? Does it have anything to do with this election? Does it have anything to do with the, these voting machines and moving military uh, intelligence personnel into position to maybe um, take a hold of these machines and start you know, doing the forensics on them? to find out where the fraud is. Maybe maybe that was part of who knows. But but it makes you wonder why him right then and there. Why now? Well, I think this could have happened quite frankly um a year ago. And I think we talked about it on this show that I was surprised he was still there. Uh Mark Esper should have been gone the day after the president decided to walk to the church 
And um, the next day, if you remember, he took to the mic and he was um, basically disavowed any any knowledge or being uh, involved with it, trying to separate himself. I, I think it was that day that we said he, uh, he should be out of there. Right. Yeah, I think that was back in June. So he was, uh, who knows, maybe it was dead man walking. Maybe he was just looking for the right opportunity. Yeah. Uh, live from Studio 6B. So a lot to go over tonight besides the recount in Georgia. We'll keep checking on that. But the president... Uh, was out today with a press conference. And, I mean, there's so much to talk about on the coronavirus thing. I can't do it all in this segment. We'll get to it. And I have the president's remarks today. Just remarkable where we're at because of him with this. Remarkable. And the the media just, I mean, you can't get any. Someday you'll look back on this and and see how remarkable really it was (laughs) when there's somebody who has some sense will look back and talk about it. Because... When you look at the remarks today, where we're at, what's going to happen here in the next coming months with this vaccine rolling out, whether you're for it or against it, take it, not take it, that's besides the point. What the president has done to get to this point, um, and as the general said today, it's all about saving lives, is remarkable yeah, and, to get to where we're at. And all you hear from like the people like Cuomo and 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 whoever's supporting but well, you know, it's it's the system that he's uh, gonna employ. Oh, you mean the military system that you know this is one of their big jobs is that they deploy all over the world as efficiently as possible, something like this. Eh, probably in their wheelhouse, maybe just a little bit. They make it sound like like Trump's going to pull up to your house with, with a wheelbarrow and say, okay, I got some. Here you guys go. Here's some vaccine. That's not the way this works. Well, they've been acting like he's a, had the white lab coat on. Yeah. Swishing around the barrel there yeah. while he's making it. Like it's bug juice. And Cuomo, I mean, the president got savage today on social media for saying, well, we're not going to send it to New York because Governor Cuomo says he won't accept it. How is so that got turned into the, the to the president won't send it to New York. Right. Like he's got like a vendetta. All right, live from Studio 6B on a Friday night, just getting started. We're just normal people talking about the issues. The way the American people talk about them around their dinner table. I think that's why people like the show. We don't take ourselves too seriously. We give them news, opinion, sports, comedy, entertainment, music. But most of all, we try to give them love of country, faith, and family every night. We think political news is a big tent. Come on in, live from Studio 6B, 8 to 10 weeknights. You might like it. From Studio 6B, Friday the 13th, Real America's Voice, Disney Network, Channel 219, Pluto TV, Channel 240, social media, Facebook, Twitter, at LFS6B, of course, at Real America's Voice. Make sure you follow on all social media. Great stuff on social media. Follow us on Parlor. Man, our Parlor is... Um, Blowing up. This seems to be everybody that, that's on Parlor, because, of course, you don't get, you know, held back, and you're, you're easy. everybody can find you if they want to. So the parlor numbers grow much faster than the Twitter numbers, much faster. Well, you know what I noticed, too, on Rumble? Um, you know, I, I, I subscribed to Bongino's show, and, and like last week he had 173,000. This week he's over 500,000. Mm-hmm. So people are, are leaving YouTube like crazy because they're just done. They're well, just done with all the censorship. But it's also that you can be found. 
Right. You know, like when you tag something with your tag, it'll actually come up if people search for it. So you're easier. You can be found easier when you're not getting censored and held back like well, we are everywhere else. So. I don't know about that. I actually, I actually did a test. I'll tell you about it some other time. Yeah, I don't care about your test. Right. <laughs> I, do care, I do care about your news, though, so let's All do right. some of that. Uh, what's going on in the news? We'll do a little news from our partners over at John Solomon's Just the News. This story is uh, – this one is a little something about what we were talking about with um, you know Mark Esper being replaced. Uh, we're talking about the acting secretary of defense. His name is Chris Miller. Uh, up until recently, not many people knew much about him, but according to this, the dude's legit – He is very well known in the elite ranks of the Army Special Forces, something you may not have known. Miller and other Green Berets, many of them riding horses, went deep into Taliban territory to seek and destroy the enemy right after 9-11. That's pretty impressive. I was in the field, Miller said. I was in the street. So when Chris Miller on Monday took his post as acting Secretary of Defense to replace the newly fired Mark Epson, Esper, many throughout the U.S. and abroad do nothing about the new Pentagon chief, but his people in the special forces knew exactly who he was. Miller, 55, is known among his special forces peers for his part in that secret mission in Afghanistan following the 9-11 attacks. They went deep into uh, enemy territory as well. Thanksgiving Day 2001, he took the last group over from the 5th Special Forces group and... uh, on the 5th of, De- the 5th of December, we had a friendly fire incident in southern Afghanistan, and I also went there to replace an element that had been destroyed. So uh, this guy was, you know, he, w- he was the real deal. You see some of the pictures of this guy, and you're like, okay. And, and then you see him now all cleaned up, and it's a stark difference. But, yeah, am- among his special operations brethren, Miller is known for his defensive community as an intellect and with direct experience in the conflict zone. So this guy has a distinguished career. Okay, very good. And, and now, he's only going to, unfortunately, going to be there for, well, I guess we'll wait and see. Well, hopefully it'll be, uh, it'll be a, per, per, a permanent position as soon as uh, we get what, this what's figured What's the story? Out. I don't know if you have the story, speaking of this, but what's the story about Trump was basically misled by, um, in, by deep state players here on how many, how many um, troops were left in Afghanistan? Did you hear this story? No, I didn't see this. So there's a story, supposedly, that the president was misled on the number of troops, purposefully misled, on the number of troops that were in Afghanistan in order to, I guess, keep a heavier presence there than the president wanted to. Mm-hmm. I mean, right. that's- yeah, it's a story I see that just uh, out, of, out of the New York Post, a retiring diplomat says defense officials misled uh, Trump on, on the troop count in Syria. Well, Sky, Syria. Yeah. Says it was a lot lower than it was actually is. Uh, retiring uh, it led Trump to believe that the troop count was lower than it was. We were actually playing shell games to not make clear to our leadership how many troops we had there. Oh, okay, that's good. That to sound know. that wow. sounds good. Great. Look, uh, you think about these. I mean, you think about these generals who he's had and who have left. It, I mean, just I don't know. these are these are the deep state people. You know, these are the people that think, ah, you know, whatever. He's just a president. We're going to be here forever. You know, those are the types that are out there doing these kind of things, kind of undermining, you know, the policy that he's trying to put forward. All right. What else is going on in the news? Uh, Speaking more on that story, the real number of the troops in northeast Syria was a lot more than the 200 Trump had agreed to uh, leave behind. Some were pushing the number as close to 900 and even maybe 1,000. So... That's interesting. We'll see if anything else comes of that. 
because uh, again, you're misleading. You're misleading the commander in chief uh, about one of his main jobs, and that is, you know, uh, overseeing the military. So, see if anybody pays a price. Hopefully, somebody does. Uh, let's talk about somebody we all kind of know, and maybe we don't really like her all that much. Her name is Cindy McCain. Uh, G. Number 54, please. It's wonderful. It's great news. Uh, I suspected all along he would, but it's great to have it confirmed. I think it says a lot of things, actually. Um, Arizona has, is a very, has always been a very moderate state. But in this case, I think it was more about the, the person that's in the White House right now than it, than it was uh, so much a, a referendum on anything else. Um, I think Vice President Biden is going to make an incredible president. Sure. And not only that, I think that his his standards, his values, his, the things that he's that he he works for, working together, working across the aisle, making sure that he does things not for himself but for the good of the country. Right. Those are the yeah. values that he's always had, sure. and I look forward to watching him. I'm sure you and do. participating in this uh, yes. down the line. We're we're just so excited here in Arizona. Yes, so, it, I think excited. my husband would be very pleased. Uh, as you know, we were good friends, and of course you were. Uh, you guys Biden's, are swamp creatures. And I, I just know he's looking down, and going, "You did the right thing." And I'm, I, I'm so happy to be uh, here. And can you blow her up? Is there a way to blow her up? <laughs> yes, you did the he right thing. He would be telling these people, "It is time that we that we move on. It's time that we heal. It's time that we support our president-elect." And and also encourage the GSA to release the funds so that so that he can get on with his transition team. Oh, yes. Not only with the with making sure that the that slots are filled and that the White House is ready to roll, but more importantly, being Jane, able to deal with the yeah, people that are please, there within the White House. Of course, Cindy McCain showing that she's pleased that Arizona flipped to Biden. Right. So and, she um she basically put her personal hatred. Um, over the country, because uh, most of what Joe Biden will do, God forbid, if he goes into the Oval Office, ninety uh, percent of it, her husband would vote against. So she, that's number one. Number two, um, I wonder if she was as pleased when her husband went overseas to get a copy of the dossier and passed it off to the FBI as he um, as he did. So I wonder if she was as pleased about that as well. So. Well, it's for the good of the country, you know. It's all about the good of the country, as as long as, you know, it's for the good of the country. And, of course, they can pocket some of that change that kind of falls out of China's pockets here and there. Because they're all, they're, all, they're all crooked. We all know they're taking. We, it's just a matter of catching them. So, Sidney McCain put her personal, um, her personal feelings for the president above the country. So, it's not all about the country whatsoever, because... Uh, she knows as well as I do sitting here that most of what Joe Biden wants to do and what his party wants to do is not good for the country in any way, shape, or form. And, and most of it, her husband, as um, politically flaky as he was, wouldn't stand for it either and wouldn't vote for it. So he'll be remembered for the thumbs down on getting rid of Obamacare and uh, trying to get the dossier and passing it off to the FBI as if, as if it was real. Yeah. So and, that that that's that's what he's not a, not his friendship with him. I'm glad he had a friendship <laughs> with Joe Biden. Whoop de doo. 
So, so, so they were both in government for 40 plus years and basically really didn't much, didn't do much. She also urged Arizonans not to cast doubt on the election results. Uh, unfortunately, right now, the state is at a point where it's not close enough to meet the legal standard for a recount. But you know what? If they had dominion, maybe they should check. Well, we'll get into that here with Sidney Powell. Live from Studio 6B on a Friday night. A lot more to do, including the president's remarks today. Coming up. The American people, when they turn on the news, they want just the news. Spare me the talking points. I think people are sick of the freak parade on cable TV, night in and night out. People are consuming news these days everywhere, on every device. And we're going to be there. We're going to be fair. We're going to be fearless. We feel like we have a responsibility to you, the American people. News and opinions that are honest and real. Real America's voice. All right, live from Studio 6B, Friday the 13th. Unreal America's Voice, Dish Network, Channel 219, Pluto TV, Channel 240. Glad you're in Comcast in Chicago, 113. Um, of course, I got started on the show yesterday with Comcast. Speaking of the mayor, who thinks she's going to tell you uh, who to have over and who not to have over. And I do, if I have time tonight, want to get to Justice Sam Alito, who spoke at the Federalist Society. Um. And I'm going to post a full speech on our Facebook page, but I want to get to some comments he made because um, he was fantastic. He's a brilliant man. And um, he talked about your civil liberties. And he talked just about this kind of thing. And this has been the greatest attack on our civil liberties ever with this coronavirus as the backdrop. And it continues. Yeah, and I'm and- kind of surprised because he's been quiet. He's been very quiet through, through, throughout his tenure. But it seems like this has kind of woken him up a bit. And uh, his speech was fantastic. And I'll post the full remarks on Facebook, but I'll play a little of them later, speaking of the mayor and speaking of Chicago. But right now, I want to get to the president today because he was fantastic. So, gee, let's pull up the president and the remarks about where we are with uh, Operation Warp Speed. Roll it. Beautiful out here this time of year. In the past nine months, my administration has initiated the single greatest mobilization in U.S. history, pioneering, developing, and manufacturing therapies and vaccines in record time. Uh, numbers like nobody's seen before. True. No medical breakthrough of this scope and magnitude has ever been achieved. True. This rapidly, this quickly. True. And we're very proud of it. And I had tremendous help from the military, generals, admirals, and many of the great people at the White House. Operation Warp Speed is unequaled and unrivaled anywhere in the world. And leaders of other countries have called me to congratulate us on what we've been able to do. And we've helped many countries with their ventilators and all of the problems they were having. And I'd like to congratulate everyone involved in this effort. It's been an incredible effort. As a result of Operation Warp Speed, Pfizer announced on Monday that its China virus vaccine is more than 90 percent effective. This far exceeds any and all expectations. Nobody thought they'd get to that level. 
And we have others coming, which we think will be at equal level, maybe more if that's possible. In July, my administration reached an agreement with Pfizer to provide $1.95 billion to support the mass manufacturing and distribution of 100 million doses, with the option to purchase a total of 600 million doses shortly thereafter. Our investment will make it possible for the vaccine to be provided by Pfizer free of charge. Pfizer said it wasn't part of warp speed, but that turned out to be a unfortunate misrepresentation. They are part. Yeah. He can go to hell. The guy from the Pfizer. 1.95 million. He can go million to hell. Dollars, and uh, it was an unfortunate mistake that they made when they said that. Mm. We will work to secure an emergency use authorization, which should be coming down extremely soon. And my administration will then coordinate the distribution of the vaccine, and uh, it will be approved. I think, again, it will be approved very, very quickly, we hope. The average development timeline for a vaccine, including clinical tests and manufacturing, can take 8 to 12 years. Through Operation Warp Speed, we're doing it in less than one year. Uh, if you had a different administration with different people, what we've done would have taken, in my opinion, three, four, five years, and it would have been in the FDA forever. This is five times faster than the fastest prior vaccine development in history. Five times faster. Say it again, five times faster. Nobody can believe it, actually. Three other vaccines are also in the final stages of trial. They'll arrive within a few weeks, and they will also be mass-produced, and the delivery will be very rapid. We're ready to go. The vaccine will be distributed to frontline workers, the elderly, and high-risk Americans immediately. It will be very uh, a matter of weeks. Get out very, very much ahead of schedule. Any schedule that I said we're going to be far ahead of that. We know that this virus primarily targets older populations and those with underlying health conditions, while over 99.98 percent of those under the age of 50 make a full and quick recovery. By giving the vaccine to high-risk individuals right away, we'll dramatically reduce hospitalizations and deaths. Uh, case levels are high, but a lot of the case levels are high because of the fact that uh, we have the best testing program anywhere in the world. We've developed the most and the best tests, and we test far more than any other country. So it shows, obviously, uh, more cases. By vaccinating the elderly and the high risk, we will effectively end this phase of the pandemic and allow seniors to reclaim their golden years, the golden years of their lives, which is so incredible. And it's about time that they can have those golden years. Again, this process is starting right away. Millions of doses will soon be going out the door. They're all ready, waiting for that final approval. As soon as April, the vaccine will be available to the entire general population, with the exception of places like New York State, where, for political reasons, the governor uh, decided to say, and, you know, I don't think it's good politically. I think it's very bad from a health standpoint. But uh, he wants to take his time on the vaccine. He doesn't trust where the vaccine's coming from. These are coming from the greatest uh, companies anywhere in the world, greatest labs in the world. But he doesn't trust the fact that it's this White House, this administration. So we won't be delivering it to New York until we have authorization to do so. And that pains me to say that this is a very successful, amazing vaccine at 90 percent and more. 
But uh, so the governor, Governor Cuomo, will have to let us know when he's ready for it. Otherwise, we we can't we can't be delivering it to a state that won't be giving it to its people immediately. Now, just hold it for one and second. Is there something about that that's unclear? Is there something about that last 30 seconds that's unclear to people who have an IQ higher than 10, what he just said? Because this was framed all day in social media that the president said, and by the way, I'm not sending it to New York because I don't like the governor. That's oh. literally how they framed it. Now, is that what you heard? I no. don't understand how this is framed all day. The president won't send this to New York, period. He With none of, the, none of the other context that he just clearly laid out. Go ahead. Because this is the, the, the prompt, uh, you know, the media. It's all controlled by the left. They, they don't want any good news to be disseminated to the, to the people. They don't. They Go hate ahead, it. Many, I know the people of New York very well. I know they want it. So the governor will let us know when he's ready. He's had some very bad uh, editorials recently about this, this statement and what's happened with respect to nursing homes and his handling of nursing homes. And I hope he doesn't handle this as badly as he's handled the nursing homes. But we're ready to provide it as soon as they let us know That's also that they'll a true actually statement. use it. That's also a true statement. You know, one of the worst handlings of this was in New York, California, Illinois, Michigan, New Jersey, horribly. So what he said there is absolutely correct as well. Let's hope he doesn't botch this, like he botched killing people by sending them back into long-term care facilities. Go ahead. And again, it's a very safe and, and a great vaccine. Already we have among the lowest case fatality rates our country any where in the world, the entire world, and we've performed significantly better than our peer countries. As far as therapeutics are concerned, my administration's also made critical investments in therapies that have helped reduce the mortality rate by 85 percent. That's, to me, one of the most exciting things. It's and by the way, never spoken the- about. Mortality rate is never spoken about. Uh, again, all's, what are you hearing now? Lockdowns, lockdowns, cases, cases, lockdown, lockdown, cases, cases. Well, n- nothing about mortality rate. How can you talk about this and not talk about mortality rate? Because the media wants you to believe, and Joe Biden wants you to believe, that somehow they're going to control this better if they take over. That somehow, if you just wear Joe Biden's magic mask, somehow they're going to handle it better. Okay, I have a newsflash, everybody. It's a virus. (laughs) You are not avoiding it. Most likely, you're going to come in contact with it, whether you wear your mask to bed, in your car, uh, under the sheets, uh, in the shower. Guess what? Look at how many people are wearing masks right now. How many people? There's a lot of people who are following wearing masks and social distancing. I'd say 90% of the public is probably doing that. Cases, cases, cases. So which one? You can't have it both ways. Either it's you know, either the masks are the magic cure to all, or they're not. Because everybody's wearing masks, as far as I can tell. Most responsible people, even if they don't want to, they try to be respectful of other people, and they wear them. And look what's going on right now. You're getting this wave of cases everywhere. Everybody's talking about a lockdown again, except for the governors who have a brain. Joe Biden and his people, what are they talking about? Oh, just another four to six week lockdown. Don't worry, that's it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that'll be it. 
Sure. Six weeks there. And right at the six-week mark, you can imagine it's, everything's going to open right up, right? Well, it's going to be safe then, Damon. All, sure. Because the, uh, the virus will know that, okay, they waited the six weeks. I guess we lose. Right. It's, oh, it's like the oh, 10 o'clock? You got to yep. be, oh, because okay, at 10 o'clock, it comes out extra strong. <laughs> like, right. what? I mean, hello? Dracula. <laughs> Everybody's wearing masks now. Most people are wearing masks. Yeah. It's a It's a virus. You're not gonna stay away from it yeah you can't hide you're not gonna get away from the common cold you're not gonna get away from things look at the flu numbers i got an update on those flu's gone cured it's cured cured. let's imagine that we haven't even had the vaccine out yet for this and we've cured the flu (laughs) i mean it's just it's unbelievable joe biden every time uh, office of the president-elect mask mask wear a mask well what's everybody doing now joe What's the plan? Is there a plan past mask, mask, mask? No. You know what it is? Lockdown. Yeah, because once they figure out that, well, mask, mask, mask isn't working, then what? Then then what? What, what is going to be the next step? Yeah. How far are they going to go then? What's the next plan? Because right now they're telling you you can't have too many people at your house for Thanksgiving. Uh, they're thinking about locking down schools again like crazy. Um, you know, you name it. They're going to start to, you know, they got the... Uh, curfews on restaurants and some some states it's eight o'clock some states it's 10 o'clock because again viruses can tell time they're like okay it's time for us to get out there and start start infecting people ah they they all went home just remember something too you know who gets you know all these lockdowns as i said to you last time remember who the lockdowns don't affect joe biden politicians media types bureaucrats everybody living on the public dole but hey lockdowns uh, we're serious people we got a lockdown it doesn't affect them what do they care? It affects you in the private sector. It affects, it affects small business in this country. Restaurants, you're the ones who get hurt. Not Joe Biden, not Kamala Harris, not Nancy Pelosi with a $50,000 fridges. They're, they're getting their paycheck. Everybody working in government's getting their paycheck. Teachers, all the unions, all these media types that report on it. Oh, yeah, look at Joe Biden, leadership. Oh, yeah, yeah. They're getting paid. It's small business that gets affected by these lockdowns. So what's the plan past the magic mask when this, is, when this all of a sudden becomes his problem? You know what gets him out of this? All the president's work on this vaccine. We're just normal people talking about the issues. The way the American people talk about them around their dinner table. I think that's why people like the show. We don't take ourselves too seriously. We give them news, opinion, sports, comedy, entertainment, music. But most of all, we try to give them love of country, faith, and family every night. We think political news is a big tent. Come on in, live from Studio 6B, 8 to 10 weeknights. You might like it. All right, live from Studio 6B on a Friday night, Friday the 13th. Some strange things going on in this show already tonight. <laughs> um, time for sports, and here with that is, um, well, I'm not really sure what to say about that outfit tonight. Like I said, you look like, uh, what is that exactly? 
It's just a Paisley outfit. It's the, the <laughs> jacket and the suit. Guys, the, and when I wear the blazer, most people wear a crazy blazer and just normal pants. I wear the pants to match, so I go the full length. But it's just a, you know. <laughs> well, not, not only that, Rick, but you also have a vest that matches. Yeah. Vest, yep. Metallic silver shoes. Good yeah. to go. You remind me of the wallpaper I used to have in my dining room when I, uh, in my yeah. mom's house back in 1975. You, you, do, you do look like you just got off the stage at Planet Hollywood after you know I, making something disappear. I get a lot of compliments on this suit, yeah. but I've gotten some wallpaper comments too, Rick. I think okay. uh, Paul, uh, Mr. Nolan, uh, also said he had wallpaper like this back in the day. So, All right, let's do some sports. Okay. What's going on? Let's talk about the Masters, Big D, uh, in Augusta, Georgia, the Augusta National Golf Club. Uh, they've been dealing with the weather, in and out, rain, and uh, it's caused some postponements. However, we've got a real wild one down there around two. Four-way tie at the top. Abraham Anson, uh, answer, Cameron Smith, Justin Thomas, and Dustin Johnson. All at 135 for a two-day total. Nine under. All locked up. So, play was suspended at 5.30 tonight due to darkness. And the second round will resume bright and early tomorrow morning at 7.30 a.m. If no further delays occur, the third round will begin approximately uh, 10.30 tomorrow morning. I know Tiger Woods got caught on the 10th hole. He had to, he had to uh, stop playing. Yeah, well, the thing is now, obviously, playing it now in November as opposed to eight, uh, April, is uh, your, your, your daylight is so much less than so they didn't get to finish the second round. I watched a lot of it, though, today. It was some pretty good golf. Yeah. Uh, Tiger's we- in there. He's going to make the cut. I think he's four or five under. Oh, he'll make the cut. He's at like he's at number seventeen right now, but he's got to finish. He's still got eight holes to go in the second round. Yeah, he so. started on the back nine, so yeah. he's uh, he's four or five hundred. He's got to make a couple more birdies to stay in contention, though. He's not going to be able to come back from. Well, I won't say with him you could do anything at that course, but he's got to be within five. I say. And uh, CBS is going to run into a little bit of an issue with the uh, 425, uh, 405 NFL games, but they said they, uh, they may move it to uh, ABC. So they'll obviously direct you. But if you've got a hot final, let's say there's a playoff right at the end there, especially if Tiger's in it, wow, that's going to be just incredible. Yeah. Uh, and then we got the 2020 Pro Bull Riders World Finals, the big kahuna of bull riding, uh, kicked off last night. Uh, number one ranked Jose Vitor LeMay. He kicked off with a big, uh, big ride. He was on uh, Total Feeds Bushwhacked, and uh, he had an 87 and a half ride, which now puts him a little bit higher in that top ranking. Uh, he's being pushed by number three, uh, Keiki uh, Pacheco, who's right behind him. Um, so we're going to see how this plays out. Uh, Pacheco had an 87-point ride on Goodnight uh, Show, uh, And also, number two ranked uh, world, uh, um, uh, Joa Vieira, he actually had a postpone. He's out because he tested positive with COVID-19. He announced it on his Instagram page last night. So, number two guy who was really pushing hard for number one is going to be out, won't be able to, uh, obviously, ride this year. So, tonight, uh, LeMay selected Louisville Slugger that he's going to ride on in the, uh, in the sixth section. And um, Pacheco is going to right on Bronstad's Boomer. So we'll look for that. It's going to be on all weekend. CBS is going to have the coverage on Saturday and Sunday afternoon, and you can also watch it on Ride Pass tonight. Okay. And we had a, uh, unfortunately, we had a death, and this was a big one. You know, I don't report all the deaths because you guys said I was getting very morbid on the show, but when we have legends, and once again, we've lost a great NFL legend and Hall of Famer, Paul Horning, uh, the Packers and Notre Dame legend, passed away earlier today from a long-term battle with dementia at the age of 84 years old. Um, he was a four-time NFL champion and former Heiser Trophy winner, Big D. The longtime running back was a staple of the Packers' 1960 teams, the title teams with Vince Lombardi, the ice ball. Paul was there, and um, unfortunately... 
passed away today. So uh, Packers uh, will be mourning. They lost a lot of good ones this year. Gail Sayers, Chicago. Boy, the Midway's really had a lot of, a lot of sad deaths. And um, uh, we have a uh, uh, NASCAR report from my uh, good old uh, friends in Sports Media Watch. They're keeping an eye on the ratings. And the finale last week uh, actually hit a low. It was lower than last year. But despite a record low finish, the 2020 season held up reasonably well. Uh, ratings were only down about 2%, which is kind of in line with the other sports. Uh, I'll keep an eye on NFL and let you know. But uh, NASCAR did take a hit. People are, you know, probably sending that message uh, with what happened with Bubba Wallace. And we have some college football scores, uh, Big D, you have to wrap this uh, section up. We Right now, Iowa and uh, Minnesota are at halftime. Uh, that game is 14-7 to with uh, Iowa leading. And FAU over FIU, 24-10 to at the half. And uh, ECU and Cincinnati was playing good ball. Cincinnati's up 14-7 to in the second quarter, Big D. You know, the Bubba Walsh thing is about the last time the FBI got anything done, right? They got about 15 guys <laughs> down there in about two seconds and got that all wrapped up. I yeah. mean, all this uh, – Yeah. well, I'll, I'll say it because no, no one else – because everybody else is like, hey, where's the fraud? Everything else that's going on, they can't seem to get on top of anything. Yep. You wonder how Chris Ray is still there. You wonder – I mean, I've defended Bill Barr on this show – not that he needs me too. Who cares? But I've just said I think he's one of the more principled men in ever. But you just wonder. I mean, what what what's going on? Where, where the hell is everybody? It makes you know, you Barack wonder. Obama's on sixty minutes, pushing his stupid eight hundred page book like anybody cares. And of course, do you think he gets one? I mean, he doesn't do many interviews now. Of course, he's been out there for Joe, but here he is pushing his book. You you think? You think he gets one question about uh, the transition into this administration, given we're talking about transitions right now? Of course not. Scott Pelley, I believe, is the one who did the interview. I saw some clips of it. I have the one that he asked him about uh, what's going on right now. But, n- n- I mean, there's a lot of questions you could ask Barack Obama if you got a one-on-one interview, especially if you're going to talk to him about transitions like this one. Well, how do you not bring up the last one? Well, you can't, you can't ask him. You're not allowed. He says something about, um, at the end of this clip I have for you, something about democracy. Oh, it's a, <laughs> it's a threat to our democracy. That's what they all say. <laughs> well, I mean, that opens the door to about 5,000 different questions you could ask him about what they were doing on January 5th in, in the Oval Office, the Logan Act, the unmasking, the spies and the, I mean, there's so many things you could ask them if you're Scott Pelley or anyone else from 60 Minutes. It's a huge show. I've heard I mean, of it. Tara Reid had to go to 60 Minutes Australia to, to get interviewed because the American 60 Minutes didn't have any interest in her. But you could ask, I mean, what could you ask Barack Obama if, you're gonna t- if he opens the door to about threat to democracy? Huh, I could think of 20 questions right sitting here now that I could ask him. Well, no, Scott Pelley didn't ask him any of those. Nothing. He what sat if, there like a lump on the log as Obama pontificated about his former vice president. Well, yeah, if, if you've ever seen Barack Obama answer a question, it, it, there, there's no answer to it. You, he'll be, get asked the question five minutes later. He's still talking. That's the kind of, that's the kind of answers this guy gives. So you're really not going to get anything, even if you ask him, well, you know, it comes down to, uh, and he's got that pentameter where he's got like five yeah. words. Well, uh, you know what? It's just, it's just so annoying. But you know he's not saying anything. 
Like, you can go through the entire thing and be like, ah, there's no answer to anything in here. All he says, Rick, is, no, 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 folks, we got a plan. We got a plan. That's all I hear. No, 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 folks. Right. I mean, I just don't understand how you sit down with him and not ask him and let him pontificate about transitions and not ask him about his transition to this president. How are you going to get the picture? You got to get a photo op with the guy. It's just the media is just, uh, it's, uh, I don't know. two coming up social media break coming up i'll show you that clip i'll also show you sydney powell oh man (laughs) (laughs) and i got some other good stuff too coming up crazy town hour two we're back right after this Live from Studio 6B on a Friday night, Friday the 13th, on Real America's Voice, Dish Network Channel 219, Pluto TV Channel 240. We have uh, more from the President's press conference, if we can get to it. I've got um, President Obama's comment. I've got um, Justice Supreme Court Justice Alito, who was fantastic at the Federalist Society. I've got a crazy town. And um, i got a couple other things here, too. Pelosi... Uh, well, there was a time that Pelosi was actually worried about voting machines. I'll actually show you that as well. But right now, it's time for one of my favorite segments here on the show, and that is the uh, Rick Delgado with What Even Is That? All right, Damon. Well, I know it's Friday the 13th, and, you know, people are a little afraid, but uh, let's, just, let's just get everybody in a good mood for a good, strong weekend. Hopefully, we'll have some great news coming out of D.C. And, of course, if you're headed there tomorrow for the big MAGA rally, well, thumbs up to you. Wish we could be there with you. But you know what we've heard a lot lately, and it's pretty much been from people all around the media landscape ever since he became the president, was that President Trump is what they call a fighter. He himself calls himself a counterpuncher, and they even say he's kind of like, you know, Rocky. Hell, even Stallone, Sylvester Stallone himself was quoted saying back in 2016 in Variety that he thinks, you know, Stallone reminds, uh, that that Trump reminds Stallone of Rocky, which isn't a bad thing to do, you know, kind of, if that's what you're trying to do, you know, Rocky reminding you of Rocky. I mean, what even is that, really, when you think about it? But it means that you could be onto something when Rocky says you're Rocky. And it's kind of also explains how the president fights. Sure, he leads with his head. He gets it coming from all angles. And hey, he takes his beating, but he just doesn't stop. It ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. That's right. That's how winning is done. So let's get it on, shall we? Ding, ding. Let's have a little fun. Does this look like a circus to you, man? Come November, you're mine. 
Yeah, and November is exactly when this is taking place. It started in November of 2016. You took on your own Apollo Creed in the form of her. And yes, you won. Then from 2017 to 2020, you know, when you should have been enjoying your run as the champ, you know, t- with your cutting of taxes victory, moving the U.S. embassy to Jerusalem, and of course, destroying the ISIS caliphate. But no, the rhinos, the liberals, and the media revealed themselves to be your clubber lang. Prediction? Yes, prediction. Yeah, and they've been bringing pain ever since. People you thought you could even trust turned on you from overrated generals to this thing called the Mueller investigation, a phony witch hunt and impeachment, and of course, the Chinese virus pandemic. Yeah, he had a lot of more and it kept coming. I mean, even at one point, Adrian was teetering and it even told you. You can't win! Yeah, and now it's this, the 2020 election. You're Ivan Drago. That's what it is. You know, the perfect communist-backed killing machine consisting of the big media, the Democrats, and big tech, fully jacked up on steroids and all waving that communist manifesto engineered to do one thing to you. He dies. He dies. But again, guess what? You're a fighter. That's what you are. You take punch after punch, but you keep moving forward. You're Yeah, like a piece of iron. But guess what, Mr. President? This isn't a movie. This is real life. For the life of this country, this is what this fight is all about. That's right. You ain't so bad. You ain't so bad there, Clubber. Mr. President, you know this. We are 70 million plus strong, and we are in your corner. Like 70 million Paulies all saying the same thing as we walk beside you towards this fight. I could just unzip myself and step out and be someone else. I want to be you. <laughs> We've waited decades <laughs> for someone like you to come along. Everything Love you've it. done up until this point right now is like you're training for this fight. It got you ready to be the president we always talked about wanting, but never realized how much, as a country, we truly needed. And then you arrived, ready for the fight, just the way Mickey trained you. Like the guy says, you're gonna eat lightning and you're gonna crap thunder. Yeah. So, so when that very dangerous place. You are a dangerous person. So when that bell rings for the next round, keep this in mind. One more than he does. No pain. No pain. No pain. No pain. Oh, and just one more thing. When you do win and all the fraud is exposed and all the votes, and I mean, you know, the legal votes are counted, and you do win, just don't make any speeches about change. If I can change. And you can change. Everybody can change. Yeah, Yeah, I think we had enough about the uh, the change and that hope thing, too. Go get him, Mr. President. All right, Rick nice. Delgado. Yeah, very nice. That was one of my favorites. What even is that? that yeah, hope and change. We've had enough of that. <laughs> um, <clears throat> all right, well, since we're on this, uh, well, let's, let's, let's go with another fighter. We'll back this up perfectly. Uh, and that, of course, is someone who I would never want to be on the other side of the courtroom of, and that's uh, <laughs> that's Sidney Powell. And Sidney Powell was on Lou Dobbs' show, Lou Dobbs' very fine show. And here's the highlight of about a minute of her uh, of what she talked about. Uh, Sixty-one G, roll that. 
as soon as the state shut down on election night and stopped counting, those are the states where the most egregious problems occurred. We also need to look at and we're beginning to collect evidence on the financial interests of some of the governors and secretaries of state who actually bought into the Dominion systems, surprisingly enough. Hunter Biden type graft to line their own pockets by getting a voting machine in that would either make sure their election was successful or they got money for their family from it. I mean, we are talking about hundreds of thousands of votes. President Trump won this election in a landslide. It's going to be irrefutable. And we are, patriots are coming forward all, every day, all day faster than we can collect their information with the testimony they're willing to give under oath about how their votes were stolen and how the machines operated. They were updated the night of the election, sometimes after the election. We've got statistical evidence that shows hundreds of thousands of votes being just put in and replicated. It, it's going to be there needs to be a massive criminal investigation and it's going to affect millions of voters and elections. And it's, uh, it's been uh, organized and, and conducted with the help of Silicon Valley people, the, the big tech companies, the social media companies, and even the media companies. And I'm going to release the Kraken. It is indeed a very foul mess. It is farther and wider and deeper than we ever thought, but we are going to go after it and I am going to expose every one of them. <laughs> wow! I mean, I mean, wow! I, I, there's Sydney Powell tonight. Uh -huh. on, I, I mean, I don't, I don't even know where to start with that. I what? mean, it's like she's, she's. To be serious, she. Every time I listen to her, I think she's operating on a different, um, like on a different stratosphere with this. Now, the, of course, what I don't understand is in what form are we going to start to actually see this from her? I mean. We're getting recounts some places. We're getting things that are statutorily required in some places. Uh, you've got Collins down there in Georgia who's supposed to be overseeing that. We see the problems in Georgia. The president tweeted out tonight. I mean, I have to assume Sidney Powell is in very close contact with the president, with Rudy Giuliani, with the president, with his team. And I mean, so a lot of us, I think, look at this every day and are – I mean, again, we think that the door might be open, but it might be a slim door. But to me, and again, I know nothing about this, so I'm the last person to pontificate about it, but it just seems to me that what Sidney Powell is take, undertaking and talking about is just, it doesn't even, the door doesn't even matter because it's just, it's an explosion that's going to open up a side of a mountain the way she describes it. Yeah, it's like, it's like the, the, the Moab bomb. Yeah, that, that, I mean, it's she, what she's wielding. Right. I mean, she's just talking on a totally different level here than, than uh, even what John <laughs> Solomon's team is doing. John Solomon's out there on the ground with a team of people talking to uh, people who have signed affidavits, looking at uh, you know things in all these different cities, gathering reports, talking to people, looking at uh, statistical anomalies. But she's like talking like, I mean, it just seems like a different. Like a just a different level that she when she comes out and talks about this, and she's she by no means is anyone who just comes out and speaks frivolous, frivolously, easy for me to say, and would be just throwing this kind of information around. I mean, she's talking about a vast conspiracy 
that includes so many and and when she dropped the 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 bomb about the people who invested maybe that's why you've got a brian kemp very quiet in georgia things are happening in georgia the way they're happening maybe something's going to develop from that because of what they're doing and Maybe that's why the you know the president and his team are hands off. Like, oh, we're not going to say anything because you, you guys are walking into your own trap here. You know what yeah. I mean? And with that fire that she's coming out with, and speaking of doors, I hope she has a good security team because we know about those doorknobs. <laughs> yeah. So let's make sure of that. I hope she has a really good team surrounding her because she's she's got a lot, Damon. She's loaded. Well, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, again. I listened to her, and, and I think, I mean, and I, I'm interested to in what the audience thinks. I mean, maybe I'm just drinking the, the Kool-Aid here, but, I mean, she just seems like she's operating on a different level than everybody else. I mean, because every time I hear her, every single time I've played her f- for you on this show, when I've l- prepped the, um, the audio or the videos before we, we play it on the show, I think to myself, well, man, she's just going to blow the doors off here if what she's saying is, is if she can present this in a way, and I don't know who she, I guess she has to present in all these different states, or I mean, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know what she does. How does this take, um, how does this get legs, whatever? I mean, obviously, time is, time is not her friend. That's clear. But it, maybe time's not going to be an issue once this thing starts to unravel and, and you know, it starts to become exposed. Maybe it's something where quickly, you know, they'll be like, okay, this day, you know, everything gets put aside. Who knows? I, I, it, I'm like you. I don't know. But, but she's talking about when people say release the Kraken, that, that's, <laughs> that usually means, all right, I've got a monster here that I'm going to, you know, let loose, and you guys are going to just be in awe of what you're going to see. And I believe her when she says, yeah. I'm going to go out and I'm going to go after and I'm going to expose every one of them. Right. I have no doubt that she's – I have no doubt when I listen to her. No no doubt at all. And I have no doubt she has what she's talking about. But do you, underst- do you, all, do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Like, I, I just feel like – I look at a lot of this other stuff and I go, well, I mean, okay. I mean, again, the bar shouldn't be, well, it's not enough, Damon. Why do you care about it? I mean, we should care about it no matter what it is. Even for future elections, you'll never win another one if they get away with this. So I look at a lot of it and I go, okay, well, we, you know, I'm, I think we're doing yeoman's work here, John Solomon and all his team, and let's find what we can find. And if there's prosecution there, they should be prosecuted, and, and it may not change this. Right. It's, it's like you're and taking it's a very it, slim door. You're taking it with a grain of salt because you've seen the Bill Barr and the and Durham. Nothing's produced any fruit. Correct. I listen to her and I go, holy s, this thing is going to blow. This is going to be the biggest thing ever. And I don't know. Maybe I'm just crazy. American people, when they turn on the news, they want just the news. Spare me the talking points. I think people are sick of the freak parade on cable TV, night in and night out. People are consuming news these days everywhere, on every device. And we're going to be there. We're going to be fair. We're going to be fearless. We feel like we have a responsibility to you, the American people. News and opinions that are honest and real. 
Real America's Voice. All right, so a lot of people talking about Sidney Powell comments that I just played for you uh, on all of this, our social media. It's actually crazy right now. And I mean, I think people understand what I'm saying on a most basic level because I can't really talk about it any other way. Pretty much. Um, I mean, I listen to her and I just think, man, this is just, she just, she doesn't seem like someone who's going to uh, exaggerate. She doesn't seem like someone who needs to get in front of the camera. She doesn't seem like uh, she's... Um, playing loosey-goosey with the facts she doesn't seem like uh, i mean she seems like an extremely brilliant and serious person who who's got uh, probably a lot of things she could be doing but she's an absolute patriot i mean she's defended michael flynn i mean she turned that whole thing around when she came on board oh, it, yeah. it, what's one of the and dealing with the nonsense of the judge too by the way and she, she's just not taking any nonsense and she just, I mean, she is just, man, if I could pick one person to be in, uh, in a legal sense to be in my corner, she'd be it. Lynn Wood, her, there's a lot of good ones. But, man, I just, I just find her extremely credible, serious, likable, patriotic. And I just, she seems like the person, here, here's a, probably a better way to say it. If she looked at this stuff and said, she'd go to the president and say, listen, I mean, there's definitely fraud. We can pursue it or have your team do it or whatever. But there's, I mean, she just seems like someone who would say that. Right. I mean, she does not seem like she would go on Lou Dobbs and say, I'm going to release the Kraken and I'm going, and we're going to expose every (laughs) single one of them and start bringing up things like looking into governors and secretary of states who have uh, invested or have some financial ties or. Oh, not only that, but Chel Cotto on YouTube points out Smartmatic Dominion ties to Nancy Pelosi, Diane Feinstein, the executive board member of private equity firm that acquired Dominion voting systems back in 2018 is Barack Obama's former EU ambassador. And it sounds like she's ready to name names. You know what I mean? But again, she understands the um, she understands the bar, meaning Okay, there's could be a lot of stuff here, but guess what? It's not going to rise to the level of something that we're going right. to. She, I mean, she understands all that. So again, it just to listen to her, I have to think that what she's saying is is right on the money, and it's probably bigger than what she's letting on to be. Yeah, and I could be totally wrong, but that's just my personal feeling on it. It's like somebody reporting, well, you know, your manager's uh, taking an extra chocolate shake every day from that store that you own, the ice cream store, but uh, you know what? He's so good at everything else. Ah, So it's it's a little insider theft. It's five bucks. Who cares? He makes up for it in other ways that you can't quantify. Yeah, she seems like she would just go to him and say, listen, there's some things here, but it's not going to be enough. Right. And uh, let's not put the country through this. Uh, I mean, so that's my feeling on it. I mean, every time I see her, I get a renewed sense of, man, there may be really something big here. Because I'll tell you what, you look at the majority of people on social media, I see it all the time. I saw this guy today who I didn't really know, but I looked up and he says, uh, it's some one of these Substack uh, websites that they published, you know, 1900 words here on fraud and how it's just a joke that we're going through this and of course it's there's so of course there's fraud we all know there's fraud there's this there's that but to think that this could be so big that this is worth going through or could even this is anything more than just a farce to make trump feel better in his feelings and he tries to lay out like this 1900 word essay on 
how we're all just suckers because we don't understand how it works. And you'd have to believe that this happened. And then you'd have to believe on top of that, that this happened. You'd have to believe that God, this happened. And there's, I mean, you're getting, there's a way lot more of that out there than there is of Sidney Powell's out there. Most of these people think, I mean, even conservatives voices think this is, they won't even give the president what they gave Al Gore. They won't even give them the 37 days. Some of them are not even willing to say, let it play out. They're just already, uh, oh, come on. This is just to appease his, uh, his, I don't want to lose attitude and all this nonsense. Meanwhile, I was going to get into it and comment to the guy and say, well, how many of the people who've sworn affidavits have you spoken to for this piece? Well, probably none. How many people on the ground have you spoken to? Have you spoken to any of the people John Solomon's gone out and spoken to? Have you read any of the affidavits? Did you read the filing in Pennsylvania the other day? 103 pages. Just curious. Before you gave us this 19-minute essay. Yeah. Kind of amazing. And, and Jose Gonzalez says uh, about Sidney Powell, she is very calculating and logical, a devastating combination. And you can tell she she's not like, and again, she's not running to grab, like you said, grab a camera everywhere she can. And you're not really hearing a lot from the left people just, oh, she's a nutball. She's a wacko. You know what I mean? Where they try to dismiss her because, well, it's it's Sidney Powell. She really doesn't know what she's talking about. They're They're kind of mum when it comes to her. They're not really saying anything, and usually, I mean, let's face it, if you, if you say anything that goes against their narrative, they come after you and tell you, you know, what a terrible person you are. They'll try to expose things. They'll dock. They'll do whatever they can, but they're not doing that to her. Why? And did you hear how emphatically she stated President Trump won in a landslide? She sounded yeah. so confident when she said that, like, I've got the goods, and I'm going to show you down the road how he won by a landslide. I was really impressed by that. Well, my know, day. a lot of people commented on your comment, Rick, yesterday that this, are we seriously to believe that a guy who couldn't draw a crowd if he was handing out $100 bills that all of a sudden got the largest popular vote in the history of the country, more than the first African-American president and did better with supposedly an African-Americans in places than he did? Come yeah. on. Yeah, got ninety. That defies basic IQ logic. Got ninety percent turnout in Detroit and Milwaukee. Really? Come on, Joe man. Biden. <laughs> he would get mugged if he walked down the street. Nobody would know who he was. They would just think, "Oh, look, easy target, white guy, get him." That would be it. Frail, Definitely. weak. They're not. They're not. They're not jazz. Nobody raps about Joe Biden. Nobody thinks he's a cool dude. Nobody goes up. Hey, what? Uh, you. What do you want to grow up to be? I want to be Trump. I want to own hotels, golf. I want to hang with celebrities. That's what they want. Nobody's. Nobody's empowered by going. Woo, Joe Biden, man. Oh man, <laughs> I can't wait till I start forgetting everything and I got a living on the public dole for yeah, forty-eight years. I got years. a kid who smokes crack in his robe and puts it on a computer. <laughs> Woohoo! Come on, man. Come on. Here's the deal. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Look, folks. Look, folks. Folks. I got to work on my Joe Biden impression. Look, folks. Here's the deal. Well, you got to do that after you've been talking, and then you look at the camera. <laughs> um, all right, let's do some news here, right. Rick. Let's do some. Uh, let's do some news. All right. Well, speaking of uh, speaking of elections and integrity, of course, I don't know if you caught the joint statement from the Elections Infrastructure Government Coordinating Council. Long title: and Election Infrastructure Sector Coordinating Executive Committees. Whew. Mouthful. That came out uh, yesterday, uh, released yesterday uh, by all these people, uh, some of which are, you know, real 
government employee, cybersecurity, infrastructure security agency. Uh, you've got people like that who are associated with making the statement that said the November 3rd election was the most secure in American history. Yeah. Right now, across the country, election officials are reviewing and double-checking the entire election process prior to finalizing the results. And it all sounds good, and of course, the New York Times was all over it. All the liberal media was all over it. And then I started looking at some of the people involved, aside from the couple of government employees, and you find people like Maria Bianchi. Well, who is she? Well, she works for Democracy Now! And what are they? Democracy Works. They're a nonprofit corporation that promotes technology and voter participation. Uh, they, their major donors are prominent left-of-center private foundations, and they're a member of, a bridge, of the Bridge Alliance, a left-leaning social welfare coalition that supports numerous left-of-center election reforms, policies, and is partnered with the left-of-center PAC Unite America along with her and a bunch of other people that are, you know, they're in the business of elections. Votes. Of course they're going to say it was secure. That's their job. All right, some more news. A couple more clips coming up. A little more sports. Wrapping it up for Friday the 13th, baby. We're just normal people talking about the issues. The way the American people talk about them around their dinner table. I think that's why people like the show. We don't take ourselves too seriously. We give them news, opinion, sports, comedy, entertainment, music. But most of all, we try to give them love of country, faith, and family every night. We think political news is a big tent. Come on in, live from Studio 6B, 8 to 10 weeknights. You might like it. All right, live from Studio 6B. On a Friday the 13th, Real America's Voice, Dish Network Channel 219, Pluto TV Channel 240, social media, of course, on Parlor at LFS6B, live from Studio 6B on Parlor. Uh, same on Twitter and Facebook at LFS6B, Instagram at LFS6B Show. All of them have been exploding with the numbers, so thank you for joining, following. Make sure you do that if you haven't already. Um, so let's get through a bunch of stuff here. No order. Let's, let's start with crazy town G and, um, I have no setup for it. It's just one of those moments that you just <laughs> think this, this, she's crazy. It is this crazy town. Roll it. What the heck? I think <laughs> If anything, the, the mask is great to keep keep her dentures in her mouth yeah, now. Just, you know? just, yeah, a little tie them up there. It's just <laughs> for, keep them in her mouth and swimming around like they usually do. Oh, do you take goodness. any responsibility for? I mean, at this rate, with the seats that are open, as I told you last night, she's either going to have only seven votes, I think, or if the five that I told you last night are still open, they win. She's going to have two. Two votes to lose. That's all she can lose on anything she wants to do. If she even is still speaker, do you take any credit? You any response? No, I take credit for. <laughs> I take credit for the majority and holding it. Okay, good. You keep going with that. Here's your trophy. I, I mean, there's a, some serious. There's a serious challenge on whether she'll even be speaker again. Uh, I think it would be better if she is, but that's just me. 
because she's either going to have a five, I think they said five or seven, seven vote majority or a two vote majority. And that's, um, Tight. that's with not- a two vote majority. And if we can win one of the two things in the Senate, at least the country at that point is at least saved. Well, hopefully we win both in the Senate and uh, we don't have to really worry about the Senate because, you, of course, you got to worry about the Mitt Romneys of the world I'll tell peeling you needs, off. I'll tell you who needs to get some uh, protection around him is Joe Manchin. Because, ah, uh, Joe Manchin. AOC is, um, got, the, um, got it locked in on Joe Manchin. You know what? I don't buy what Joe Manchin is selling. I don't know that I buy it either, but I th- I he think, said it. I think he just said it to say it. To say, ah, oh, don't worry, Republicans, <laughs> don't worry about it. And then when when push comes to shove, if for some reason it is fifty fifty, and he could be he could be the vote that gets it to fifty fifty, and then of course you know, I don't know about I don't know. I think he I think he folds like a cheap suit. He, he's a politician. He's got to do what he's got to do to survive. That's I'm not it. so sure. I I do think there's I think someone like a Joe Manchin. There's other people who don't want to see the end of the uh, don't want to see the end of their own job in the Senate. Because there's no reason for them if you get rid of the filibuster. There's no reason for the Senate. Well, so and I don't think stacking the court. I don't think every one of them believe that. I think they're afraid to go against the AOC wing of the party. But we'll see. Hopefully, it won't come to that. All right, let's get to some stuff though. Um, let's go 51. No or no order here. So this is just this could be a crazy town on its own. This is a Joy Reid uh, and Adam Schiff. Now just oh, listen geez. to this discussion. Oh, Roll it. I need to go back to Republicans for just a moment because both House and Senate Republicans have made it clear that when um, sort of the normal order resumes and when Congress is back in session and, Mm -hmm. and at work, they're not interested in doing any work that involves legislating or helping people during this awful pandemic that's now taken, you know, COVID has now taken down, I don't even know how many administration officials. We've got Corey Lewandowski being the latest. You can go on and on and on, Mark Meadows, all of these officials, uh, even inside the Trump world, have it. Trump had it. Um, But what they want to focus on is investigating. They want to go after Hunter Biden still. They want to go after the investigations that led to impeachment, a time in which I think for a lot of people, you sort of became the modern day Thaddeus Stevens, you know, making your arguments against Trump during impeachment. They want to go after the, the Mueller probe again. Is this what we're going to have to sit through for the next four years? Republicans just doing investigations and refusing to legislate? Okay, stop it. Now, how, I mean, could you get any more rich than this, given what we've just, what this president has lived through for four years? Not one single solitary second of peace in any way, shape, or form. And a lot of it due to the guy on the right side of the screen. Yeah. The guy. Lion, thieving, gold plated weasel that he is. The guy who said he saw the evidence, he had the evidence. And this is the discussion that she's going to have with him. This is how brain dead are these people? How out of touch to what just happened? Because they don't think anything happened in the last four years. They think they've been just fine. Well, because he's still president. So it it didn't happen. And they're rewriting history as they tend to do. Is this what we're going to go through for four years investigation? Well, what the hell have we gone through for the last four years? Not one second. They went after him before. They went after him when he got elected during the transition. They went after him the second he took office. This guy had all this evidence that no one else had. He's out there leaking to CNN. Uh, Impeachment, Mueller, Ukraine, whistleblowers, all of it. And now this, and she's going to say, 
Well, what are we going to go through for four years? They're going to go through investigations? Unity, everybody. Unity. Meanwhile, she, did she say to him, hey, uh, um, do you think it's a good idea for uh, AOC and our party to be making a list of uh, people that we want to go after that were part of the Trump administration? No, of course not. We're going to go through investigations for four years? I mean, it's unbelievable, these people. What kind of, I mean, has she not been around for the last four years? Because, well, I ask these questions not because I'm looking for an answer. <laughs> because I just, it's just stunning to me. Well, fascists, that's the way they think. They think it's okay if they do it because they're doing it for the greater good. And if you don't agree with them, they'll put you on that list and try and take everything from you because, well, it's for the greater good. You don't know any better. That's the way they think. All right, couple other things. Let's get to the um, let's get to the country's famous bureaucrat. I mean, favorite uh, doctor. Quack quack. Uh, Fifty six. <laughs> so here's the doc with the truest thing he's ever said. Roll it. So, are there countries that you, you know, there are countries that seem to be doing well that then weren't doing so? Are there countries now that hold up as models for, you know, pretty good response to this? You know, the answer is yes, but right now it seems that every country is suffering. Yeah. We are often compared with countries that are not comparable to us. We are not a little island of five million people that we can shut off. We're not a country that would accept if a ruler tells us you must do this i was talking with our uk colleagues just today who were saying the uk is very similar to where we are now in outbreak because each of our countries have that independent spirit but we don't want to be told what to do well i understand that but now is the time to do what you're told <laughs> and i think it really is something that we should be doing right oh now. yeah shut so, up and do right, what so you're what told what you're talking about is walking the fine line right. between yeah so that, that there you go that there's the quiet part out loud because that's what he exactly that's what he wants and that's what that's what's coming shut up and do what you're told you're going to get it from the governor of New York. You're going to get it from the governor of Pennsylvania. You're going to get it from the governor of Illinois. You're already getting it from the, uh, from the mayor of Chicago. And you're already getting it from the governor of California. Shut up and do what you're told. And uh, we're going to d- rule like the little fascistic governors that we are. And we're going to even come as far as tell you who you can have at your house, how many, where you can go, where you can't go. Oh, yeah. Oh, don't you, you just, don't you worry. You shut up and do what you're told. Oh, uh, you, that's what the good doctor says. You, you forgot Michigan. Yeah. Your favorite. Ava. Don't cry Oh, it's me. a dangerous place there living under Ava. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This is exactly what Justice Delito was talking about last night at the Federalist Society. How absolutely out of control the attack on our civil liberties have been for these governors and these... Um, Self-righteous uh, bureaucrat uh, posing as scientists. Now, do you have his comments? I do have his comments. Uh, Justice Delito from this a little bit. I'm going to post the whole thing because every word of it's worth listening to. But here's a little bit of what he said last night. Roll that. The pandemic has obviously taken a heavy human toll. Thousands dead, many more hospitalized, millions unemployed, the dreams of many small business owners dashed. But what has it meant for the rule of law? I'm now going to say something. And that I'm sorry I to interrupt this, but by the way, small business owners dashed. Not 
not people who live off the public dole, not politicians, not bureaucrats, not um, not anyone who gets paid by the government because they'll be fine through all these lockdowns. Not, but not small business, nope. not people who bring who put the food on the shelves, not people who grow your corn, not people who uh, drive it from. No, 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 not them. No, that's who the lockdown affects. Like he said, small business. Notice he didn't say politicians, uh, you know, the Joe Biden, Nancy Pelosi's of the world. No, or media types. No, they're going to get paid their big fat salaries no matter what happens to you. Go ahead. Twisted or misunderstood, but I have spent more than 20 years in Washington, so I'm not overly optimistic. In any event, here goes. The pandemic has resulted in previously unimaginable restrictions on individual liberty. Now, notice what I am not saying or even implying. I am not diminishing the severity of the virus's threat to public health. And putting aside what I will say shortly about a few Supreme Court cases, I'm not saying anything about the legality of COVID restrictions, nor am I saying anything about whether any of these restrictions represent good public policy. I'm a judge, not a policymaker. All that I'm saying is this, and I think it is an indisputable statement of fact. We have never before seen restrictions as severe, extensive, and prolonged as those experienced for most of 2020. Think of all the live events that would otherwise be protected by the right to freedom of speech, live speeches, conferences, lectures, meetings. Think of worship services, churches closed on Easter Sunday, synagogues closed for Passover and Yom Kippur. Think about access to the courts or the constitutional right to a speedy trial. Trials in federal courts have virtually disappeared in many places. Who could have imagined that? The COVID crisis has served as a sort of constitutional stress test. And in doing so, it has highlighted disturbing trends that were already present before the virus struck. One of these is the dominance of lawmaking by executive fiat rather than legislation. The vision of early 20th century progressives and the New Dealers of the 1930s was that policymaking would shift from narrow-minded elected legislators to an elite group of appointed experts. In a word, that policymaking would become more scientific. That dream has been realized to a large extent. Every year, administrative agencies acting under broad delegations of authority churn out huge volumes of regulations that dwarf the statutes enacted by the people's elected representatives. And what have we seen in the pandemic? Sweeping restrictions imposed for the most part under statutes that confer enormous executive discretion. Now hold it right there. Just as the COVID we'll finish uh, we'll finish Justice Alito when we get back. Live from Studio 6B on a Friday night. Great show. Great audience tonight. Glad you're here. A little more sports, a little more of Justice Alito, and uh, maybe a couple other things. The American people, when they turn on the news, they want just the news. Spare me the talking points. I think people are sick of the freak parade on cable TV, night in and night out. People are consuming news these days everywhere, on every device. And we're going to be there. 
We're going to be fair. We're going to be fearless. We feel like we have a responsibility to you, the American people. News and opinions that are honest and real. Real America's Voice. All right, live from Studio 6B, General Flynn tweeted out, uh, this is serious as a constitutional crisis as our nation has ever faced. We will only be the beacon of hope for the world if we are willing to stand with courage and integrity and defend our republic. And he copied on that tweet, uh, Sidney Powell, Lynn Wood, and the great one, Mark Levin, who by the, uh, I mean, I'm biased because Levin's an absolute total uh, inspiration and um, one of the reasons I wanted to sit behind a microphone and try to be even one one thousandth uh, as engaging as he is, but man, is he in the fight? As he's always in the fight, he is as. Uh, I mean, he's just as good as it gets. He's the best radio. I mean, I love Rush and I like Sean, and I like Laura, and there's a lot of good ra- Hugh Hewitt. There's a lot of good radio hosts, but for me, he's on another. He's on another planet. All right, Damon, stop kissing my ass. Get off my phone. <laughs> he is. On, he is on another planet. But man, he's in the fight too. So. Hey, uh, Keith Coggins, real quick, heard uh, there people going to Washington tomorrow. Uh, be aware. And, and Antifa could be making a, an appearance. Oh, That's boy. what he's hearing. Yeah. Now, you had some news about uh, something coming out of California, right? Well, another house race. One of the house races I told you was still open. Looks like um, uh, the Republican won. So now it's four left open. And now it's, so it's, just, it's another seat that Republicans pick up in um in California. And our crazy town tonight was, of course, Nancy. Uh, maybe one more time on that, G, just because she just lost another one. So let's get her thoughts on that. Uh, <laughs> here's Nancy again on our crazy town. be holding it for long there sweetie especially with young kim all right let's do um a couple other things here so let's finish um let's finish supreme court justice alito and his thoughts on um on what he's seeing in civil liberties girl we'll finish that g restrictions have highlighted the movement toward rule by experts litigation about those restrictions has pointed up emerging trends by the way the rewind that a little bit because to me rule by expert can be a shot at only one person in this climate. And that, of course, would be quack, quack. That's just my opinion. Go ahead. Statutes enacted by the people's elected representatives. And what have we seen in the pandemic? Sweeping restrictions imposed for the most part under statutes that confer enormous executive discretion. Just as the COVID restrictions have highlighted the movement toward rule by experts, litigation about those restrictions has pointed up emerging trends in the assessment of individual rights. This is especially evident with respect to religious liberty. It pains me to say this, but in certain quarters, religious liberty is fast becoming a disfavored right. And that marks a surprising turn of events. Consider where things stood in the 1990s. And to me, at least, that does not seem like the Jurassic Age. When a Supreme Court decision called Employment Division versus Smith cut back sharply on the protection provided by the Free Exercise Clause of the First Amendment, Congress was quick to respond. 
It passed the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, RIFRA, to ensure broad protection for religious liberty. The law had almost universal support. In the House, the vote was unanimous. In the Senate, it was merely 97 to 3, and the bill was enthusiastically signed by President Clinton. Today, that wide support has vanished. When states have considered or gone ahead and adopted their own versions of RIFRA, they have been threatened with punishing economic boycotts. Yeah, so there's just a little bit of Supreme Court Justice Alito, who's a brilliant man. And um, I'll post his full remarks on our Facebook page, maybe tonight, but certainly over the weekend for you to listen to, because it's a lesson in, I mean, he's just brilliant. So good for him. Um, All right. Any other news, Rick, we haven't gotten to? Uh, There's a few things out here, but I know we've got uh, some sports to finish up with, right? Oh, did I, didn't we not do sports? Yeah, we got to oh, get. All right, let's do sports here with uh, Rick Emirati. What's going on, pal? Okay, B, nothing like ending a great week and a great show tonight with some sports. Uh, Korean baseball <laughs> playoffs, the World Series, Korean Series is all set for next Tuesday, Big D, 4 30 a.m. We're going to have a watch party. Um, it's going to be the Deuce and Bears <laughs> and Damon's NC Dinos Come on. for all the marbles. Uh, the Deuce and Bears defeated the KT Wiz earlier today, 2 0. Former New York Mets pitcher Chris Flexen came in in relief to close out the game, and he won the the MVP. So, Deuce and Bears, NC Dinos. It all comes down to that. Um, and Kim Ng uh, made history on Friday when she was named general manager of the Miami Marlins. First female to be named to the top position in baseball. Congratulations. She was so well qualified after... You know, 20 years in the major leagues with the Chicago White Sox, New York Yankees, L.A. Dodgers, and also worked in the commissioner's office. Great to see the ladies stepping up and uh, getting involved in the uh, in the top office in baseball, the general manager. So, and kudos to the Miami Marlins for recognizing their talents. That's yeah. Derek Jeter. Yeah, how about good for hiring the most qualified person? Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Exactly. Yeah. That works. Um, and don't forget, we got the uh, the Pro Rodeo Cowboy Association Rodeos. We got two of them this weekend. Rick, I don't know which one the Frisky Chicken is in, but when I recap <laughs> it Monday, I'll be sure to get him in there. Uh, we got a rodeo in uh, the Austin Extreme Bulls at the Dell Diamond. That's in Round Rock, Texas. And we got another one in Brawley, California, the Brawley Cal Call Rodeo, Big D. You don't want to catch that. A couple of NFL games I'm this week. I'm <laughs> only interested in the World Finals. That's all I'm interested well, in. Well, we're going to have... We're going to have a full breakdown on that, too, Big D, Monday night. Okay. It's going to be all about the rodeo Monday night. Um, and this weekend, not a lot of great matchups, Big D. You'll probably agree with me. I think that Buffalo-Arizona game at 4.05 on CBS, that looks pretty good. Um, and uh, uh, Cincinnati and Pittsburgh, I don't know. You know, the Bengals are an exciting team, but Steelers are rolling. That's at uh, 4 o'clock. And the San Francisco 49ers. No Roethlisberger, been- though, so that game has no line. So. Oh, okay. That'll be interesting. Uh, the, and then Sunday night is probably going to be a dud. Baltimore at New England. I think the Ravens will probably take good care of them. And um, college this weekend, you're going to want to watch number two, Notre Dame and Boston College. No doubt about it. Army at Tulane. I know Kevin Corcoran will be tuning in for that. And number nine, Miami at Virginia Tech. Uh, a couple of games that weekend. And Big D, we're getting tight on time, so I'm going to wrap sports right there for you. <clears throat> okay, very good, Rick. Thanks. Uh, any other news, Rick, that we haven't done? Or do you uh, want to hear Pelosi when she actually cared about um, voting machines? Yeah, let's go with Pelosi. All right, so here's Pelosi like uh, back, and I'm not sure when this is. 52, G, roll it. People must have every confidence that every vote legally cast will be legally counted Mm. and accurately counted. Oh, yes. But constantly shifting vote tallies in Ohio and malfunctioning 
electronic machines, which may not have paper receipts, have led to additional loss of confidence by the public. Okay. Oh. As elected officials, we have a solemn responsibility oh, solemn. to improve our election system and its administration. We cannot be here again four years from now discussing the failings of the 2008 election. Mm. Okay. <laughs> so Nancy Pelosi cared at one point about this. It's, yes. not ama- it's, it's amazing, right? A couple, you know, one decade goes by, and now all of a sudden it's... Uh, no, nobody cares. Very much just, so. Let's just, just get out of the way, please, Mr. Orange Man. Just get out of the way. Stop everything. Stop the canvassing. We have another president. We have two presidents now. Did you know that? I didn't think we could have that. Uh, just You get out of the way because they'll let the new guy come in. Don't worry about anything you're doing. Don't worry about the country. Don't worry about if it was fraud. Doesn't matter as long as it's not enough fraud for the courts to care that we don't care. As always, we salute. Oh God, what a way to end! <laughs> As always, we salute our military, active and active police, law enforcement, correctional officers. Someone told me I got to throw that in as well. Yeah, throw those in. We salute yes. you all, of course. Everybody on the front lines, EMTs. Thanks everybody on the show. Thanks G. Thanks Fran. Great week. Thanks to America, Real America's Voice. Most of all, thanks to you, the ever-growing audience, live from Studio Six B. We love you. We appreciate you. We'll see you on Monday night, 8 p.m. Right here, Real America's Voice.